Hello, and welcome to Mystified. This is a podcast where we bring you strange and unusual stories. My name is Tasha. This is Stephen. And we are your hosts for the evening. For this episode, we are going to be covering ghost stories. So did you bring your ghost story, Stephen? I did. Awesome. What story did you bring? I brought the roaming light of Bailey's Prairie. Ooh, that's a Texas ghost story, right? It is. My ghost story is also out of Texas, but it's out of South Texas. So mine's Southeast, so. Well, mine's like way South, like uh, in the Valley, Texas. Ah, so okay. I went way down. Yeah, you went all the way. I went to the tip. Yep. Just the tip. Yeah. So in your humble opinion, Stephen, what makes a good ghost story? Well, it kind of depends on your intentions. Well, if your intentions are to scare somebody... What, like, what are the ingredients of a good ghost story? Mm, it's kind of hard to say. Good ghost story just kind of has an effect on people. It doesn't matter if they've heard it one time or a million times, they still get the hair standing up and that uneasy feeling. And it's a effect that's kind of hard to explain. But is that just the ghost story or is that also the the narrator the person telling the story uh both of them are important a great storyteller can make a terrible story passable but a terrible storyteller can't really do a whole lot with the best story in the world so that's probably going to be me um <laughs> i got a really great story but i'm going to butcher the shit out of it because it's what i do I'm sure it'll be fun. I'm sure it'll be fun. We 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 lie to Tasha all the time. <laughs> Makes her feel better. I'm going to go first, unless you have any issue with that. No objections. Excellent. Did you know that Texas has its own headless horseman? Did I know? Yes. Let's I Okay. <laughs> first of all, okay. Let's back that up. Rewind. Pretend you don't know. Okay. You ready? Okay. So did you know that Texas has its own headless horseman? No. You didn't. I did not. Let me tell you about it. The legend of Sleepy Hollow and the story of the headless horseman originates um, from New England. However, Texas does have its own claim to um, a headless horseman character. And the legend goes like this. A man from Kentucky had come down to Texas to purchase land in the early 1800s, and he found the quaint town of San Patricio to be his last stop. When he stopped there, he decided to set up his um, homestead. However, he was robbed and lost all his gold to thieves and also his head. The legend says that he reportedly roams the night along Headless Horseman Hill, which flows from Mathis to San Patricio. Now, this is the legend that's been spread about... Um, this headless horseman guy. However, it is not true. The story is actually based on a true story that happened and it happened in 1850. The details of the headless horseman were kind of stolen from um, Washington Irving's story, but what happened is actually a lot, a lot worse. So let me tell you about it real quick. 
So in the summer of 1950, Mexican bandito by the name of Vidal made a serious error when him and some of his compadres wrestled a sizable herd of horses from several ranches in San Antonio. One of the ranches belonged to a Texas ranger named Creed Taylor. Um, He was a veteran Texas ranger. He was a veteran Texas war hero. He had fought in the War of Independence, and he was not a very nice man and wasn't open to, like, forgiveness and things like that. So... Um, Taylor later would be one of the participants in the Sutton Taylor feud, which was a bloody feud that rivaled the Hatfield and McCoys, uh, feud. So this guy is like super into, um, fighting and shit (laughs) with everybody. Um, Rustling cattle and horses had already earned Vidal's um, head a dead or alive reward. So now that he had gone fucking around with a Texas Rangers um, horses, they decided, okay, we need to take care of this guy. So um, Creed gets together with his buddy, fellow Ranger, William A.A. Bigfoot Wallace. That's That's a shit... Okay, how do you have two initials in the middle of your name plus a fucking nickname? That are both A. Right? Like <laughs> like Anthony... Anthony Aaron. Aaron. Andrew. Andrew Ashton. Nah, it's a little no, too... Oh, yeah. That's a little... Well, I don't know. Boys wore dresses back then as babies. Like, they were... like Babies in Texas back then probably didn't wear much at all because it was a rough, rough landscape. So that's true. It was real hot. You just let that baby go naked. Maybe put on like a little cloth diaper, but yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine. These two Texas Rangers set out to find um, our Mr. Vidal and his compadres, right? So um, back, back then, like the Texas Rangers were. In, in my estimation, dicks, um, they had to, there was what, a couple hundred of them. And they pretty much like had to maintain law and order through the entire state of Texas, which it wasn't really a state then. It was just like a territory. Mm-hmm. Like it was pretty big. So yeah, they, they weren't all about like talk first, shoot later. They were more about justice right then, which was, a little more aggressive than like an eye for an eye. They they would just shoot your ass. And if you weren't the right person, meh, you're one less person in Texas. Like that's kind of yeah. the, like, I mean, it's like, imagine like 300 angry, methed up Chuck Norris's roaming yeah. around with a mixed in with a Clint Eastwood, like, but late life Clint Eastwood, where he's loony, doesn't know what's going on. Like combine all of that. That's how I imagine the Texas Rangers were. Yeah, I mean, it was also the situation back then. I mean, Texas was mostly unsettled and still wild, and there was a lot of dangerous people roaming here. I mean, the the woods in East Texas were pretty much full of nothing but bandits back then. True. So it was, yeah, the Texas Rangers, they didn't really have a choice. I'm not justifying how big of assholes they were, but if that's the only way you stayed alive. That's true. So we will give them that. It was frontier justice. I mean, but I, I don't I don't know. I justice just, is still in air quotes, but true. It was frontier something. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. 
So we got Taylor and Wallace and they get together with a third guy and they make a surprise attack on these outlaws after tracking them. What they do, just catching them and killing them is not enough because even though the reward was dead or alive, they weren't bringing them in alive. Like they, they were there to make a point. So what they did is they got creative. They beheaded Vidal and then tied him to the horse upright um, they lashed the bandito's hands to the saddle horn and his feet to the stirrups and then tied the stirrups beneath the horse's belly. Just to make sure that anyone who saw got the message, they also looped a rawhide through the head's mouth and then I guess like out the neck hole or maybe they made a hole in the top of the head. I'm not real sure. And then they tied that to the horse's saddle on the craziest, wildest horse they could find. And then they slapped that scared horse's ass and sent it off riding. So they created a headless horseman. They made the equivalent of the hanging a coyote on a fence with the bandit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they send this horse out riding. Now, seeing that enough would be scary as hell because, I mean, the sombreros on there, like it looks like a guy's riding with, with no head. So... What these people would do when they saw it is they would shoot at it because they're like, oh, my God, this is a crazy ghost thing. Right. So they shoot at it, which continues to scare the horse. So the horse keeps running. So but the body never falls off. It never, never dies. So this is how the legend um, is born. Finally, these uh, people that were wandering around find the horse who's like dead tired by uh, a watering hole and in Ben Bolt, Texas. I didn't look up to see how far San Patricio to Ben Bolt is, but I'm going to guess it's at least a couple miles that this, this horse ran, but I'm guessing it's more like a much larger distance. Mm. But um, anyways, when they when the people found it, it's riddled with bullet holes. It has arrows in it. <laughs> so I guess it The Comanche saw yeah, it. Yeah, we're like, what the hell? Like and and shot at it. So um finally they take the corpse down and they lay it to rest. Once that happens, then Wallace and Taylor come forward and they're like, Okay, yeah, we did this. So the Texas Rangers coming forward and admitting that it was Wallace and Taylor who did this did have the desired effect. I mean, uh, there was a decrease in people and outlaws stealing cattle and horses. So that was great for them. So even though, you know, people knew that it wasn't a ghost riding around, the legends had already begun. And the people that had seen uh, whenever the horse was riding that day had started calling him El Muerto. Even later, once, you know, everybody knew the truth, they still continued to see um, the specter at night. It was seen at a fort on the Leona Leona River. He was seen and he was reported by some soldiers. And then also in Uvidel near Taylor's Ranch, 30 years later, they he was seen again 250 miles southeast of San Patricio and that area was christened the Headless Horseman Hill um, after a wagon train reported an encounter with El Muerto. That sighting occurred in 1917 outside of San Diego, Texas. And then again, he was seen in 1969. So people still continue to see him riding around. 
They say that he's dressed in a poncho, has a sombrero. You see him for a little while and then he just disappears into thin air. So that is the Texas legend of the Headless Horseman, courtesy of the Texas Rangers. That's a hell of a gift. Right? I mean, New England gets a make-believe one out of someone's imagination. We get a real one um, that was an actual dead body riding around on a tear. That poor horse. Yeah. Like, I mean, is that horse ever going to be okay for anything afterwards well i mean the horse was supposed to be very high spirited to begin with so it was probably now it's just like neurotic like more than normal yeah yeah that's that poor i feel really bad for the i mean okay the guys that meant they were criminals they were they were bad guys i'm sure they were killing and stealing and everybody in texas was a bad guy that's true but that but the horse out of the whole story i mean the horse just Got the fucking short stick for real. Yeah, a lot of times horses did because horses were an extreme sign of power back then. Like, I imagine it wasn't so much that it was like the loss of property that pissed them off. It was the fact that they were horses. Like, how many horses you had, that was like your station in life. Like, if you had a whole herd, you were, you know, hot shit. And if somebody came and took all your horses... Yeah. I mean, yeah, they might as well have cleaned your bank account out. Like that was Yeah, that'd piss you off. A big deal. Yeah. But I mean, the the story of the Headless Horseman and like the Ichabod Crane kind of cartoon on Disney never really scared me. It wasn't until Sleepy Hollow with Christopher Walken with those like sawed down teeth. That was spooky. That's that's one of the first times that I thought um, that story was really creepy, but this one creeped me out when I imagine the people who actually saw it were pretty creeped out because there's a dead guy riding around with no head. I'm sure that was like pretty gruesome and smelled terrible. Yeah. And South Texas in the summer. South Texas well, in the any summer. time of year, actually. Right. But already with a guy who probably hadn't bathed in God knows how long, then he was dead. Uh Yeah. yeah. That's not good. With but, a horse that had been running for days. Oh, that stinks too. Not going to yeah. lie. That's pretty stinky. There cool. was actually a guy, one of the neighborhoods I used to live in around the time that the Sleepy Hollow movie came out, who for Halloween, he built himself a Headless Horseman costume. And that's, you know, it's not super impressive. Yeah, you've got this like weirdly proportioned guy because he's, you know, hidden his head inside of some shoulders. But this dude actually rode a horse. That's pretty intense. Yeah. Like it, it's still seeing somebody like at the end of this cul-de-sac, like on this jet black horse stomping around with no head was still pretty impressive. Yeah. But he had the big black horse. Like, yeah, he had a big black horse. Damn. Yeah. That's into and a sword. Did he have the sword? He had a sword, but I don't remember if it was a crappily made sword or not. I couldn't get Elizabeth close enough <laughs> because she was terrified of it. So Yeah, I don't blame her. All right, cool. So are you ready for your story? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like mine actually also takes place in uh, not just Texas, but Southeast Texas. And the biggest part of it takes place a similar time frame. So mine takes place in a place called, today, called Bailey's Prairie, which is actually a village. Like, there's not too many places in Texas that I could find that were 
referred to as villages, but this one actually is. The population in 2010 was only 727 people. Damn. How big is the town? It is less than eight miles, and two miles of that is water. Like, okay, so we're talking waterfront? We're talking like marshland and riverfront and just a lot of... It's not quite to the coast, but it's in the area where there's a lot of non-solid land. Like, if you look at it, it's just... It's, yeah. It looks like a, a bunch of marshland. I've never actually been... Not sure why it's called a prairie, but <laughs> maybe they didn't know what a prairie was. And we're just like, this is a great name for this soggy, marshy water area with hills. Yeah. It was actually named after a man by the name of uh, James Brighton Bailey, who was the first person to settle in that area. Um in, so he was the one who named it Prairie? No, he actually okay. didn't name it Prairie. It was just Bailey's Land. Um, <laughs> That's he, original, too. <laughs> my name is Bailey. It's no, no. my land. He didn't actually name it anything, I don't think. But the once you learn a little bit about this dude, it yeah. Um, he was born in North Carolina in 1779, and he got married at a pretty young age to a woman by the name of Edith Smith. Uh, Together, they had six children. That's not bad. After his wife died, he married her sister, Nancy, and fathered (laughs) five more children. Shit. Yeah. Hold on a minute. Okay, so he's like, this is my land. My name's Bailey. Did my girl. She did. So so he just brought this. Like, was the sister already there? Or he just brought the sister? No, no, no. This is before he even made it to Texas. This is when he's... Oh, we're still in North Carolina. We're still in North Carolina. Okay, got it. Yeah. So this all happens in a relatively short span of time. Because then they moved to Kentucky, where he served in the Kentucky House of Representatives. Okay. Then he got in trouble and was prosecuted for forgery. And he was involved in, like, a forgery ring. And then he left. Wait, what? What were they for? Like checks? I don't know. Well, like I mean, this is documents? like this is the early 1800s. So what? What the hell? Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know, and I couldn't find any inf- information about it. Um, so then he ran off to Tennessee and got himself wrapped up in and fought in the War of 1812, where somehow somebody decided to make him captain of a ship. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> This guy must be really good at fucking, like, bullshit. He was always drunk. Oh, okay, yeah. He was always drunk. So, yeah, so he makes it through the War of 1812, and when that's all over, he heads out to Texas. Makes it to Texas in 1819, which is before Stephen F. Austin brought his original 300 to settle, like, the Austin colony. So he finds some land, he moves there, and he gets... uh, the rights to it from the Spanish government, and he sets up a plantation on the Brazos River. So he's there for a couple years before Stephen F. Austin shows up and establishes his uh, settlement. Then the Spanish government wins its war for independence and decides it's not going to honor Bailey's claim to his land anymore, but instead transfers it to part of Austin's grant. Well, Austin and Bailey don't like each other. Like, for one, Bailey's been there. He's always drunk. He's kind of crazy. And the Spanish government's like, oh, he's your problem now. So oh my God. <laughs> Austin rides out in 
1823 to try to get Bailey to give up the land and move on. And Bailey was like, how about I just shoot you instead? And so Stephen F. Austin was like, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just going to go on about my business. I wonder. OK, so imagine this. I wonder if he's got like that Southern gentleman, Kentucky like accent. Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina. <laughs> And he's like just shit faced on the porch, shirtless, hair's crazy. Like he's 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 done survived a war on a fucking ship and he's he's got like rifles in both hands, like on his well, hips. Back then that would have been kind of hard because they were flintlocks, so you really needed but both maybe he, hands. Maybe he was just like to, for a scare tactic. He just got he's got them both in both hands. And he's like, fuck you, Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> Stephen fucking Austin. <laughs> like, that's that dude is ballsy. Yeah, and it worked. Austin let him stay. Um, and then he ended up being appointed the head of the local militia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things I found about Bailey is that he had a penchant for... Um, Joining any fist fight he came across, it didn't matter if he had anything to do with it. If he saw two people fighting, he would just yell free fight and get in and just start punching people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Could you? OK, it's bad when the Mexican government doesn't want it. Like they just want independence. They're like, yeah, this is our shit. And they don't want to fuck. With, you're one guy. He's one and guy. They don't want to fuck. Well, with actually, you. he's one guy. A bunch of kids and yeah, a whole well, lot got, of crazy. He's got like a 11 strong army. Yeah. But then Stephen F. Austin don't want to fuck with you. Like nobody. Puts you in charge of a fucking militia. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Um, So he dies in December of uh, 1832. The official cause of death is listed as cholera, but nobody really knows for sure. I mean, he was a lifelong alcoholic, so there's. Honestly, yeah. no telling. Liver failure. Yeah, it could have been anything. I mean, there, it's yeah. not like there were doctors in te period, but also especially not in Texas in 1832. So was, wait, is that the time? That's before the time that doctor was putting goat balls in people, wasn't yeah, it? Oh, God. Yeah, that's like 100 years before. Like okay. medicine back then was just drink more whiskey. Like there was. Yeah, drink more whiskey and cut it off. Yeah, like they. Well, were, I don't even know if we were to the amputation phase yet. I think they were. They would Maybe. just cut that shit off. Maybe I, I don't know, but I mean, you can't really cut off what you don't know is there. So true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was interesting though was he was very specific about his final resting place. Of course, he was. <laughs> yeah, of course, he was to be buried standing up with a rifle and a jug of whiskey in his coffin. This probably had to do with how pompous he was because he wrote in his will that I've never stooped down to any man and I don't want anyone to be able to say, there lies old Britt Bailey. Bury me so the world must say, there stands Britt Bailey. So, okay, hold on. His coffin is upright. Upright. Up Upright. Yep. How deep of a fucking hole did they have to, like... I think it was like 10 foot straight down. He did that just to be a dick, so they would have to dig a deeper hole. Yeah, but he was really also just that pompous. That's true. 
And he also wanted to be interred facing the West because he said, I've been all my life traveling westward and I want to face that way when I die. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay, Bailey. We do that for you, (laughs) Bailey. So he was buried just as he wished, standing upright, facing west with his rifle, powder horn, 150 rifle balls. But the jug of whiskey never made it into the grave. (gasps) How's he going to make it to heaven if he ain't drunk? Well, that's exactly more than likely why the jug of whiskey didn't make it into the grave. It's highly likely that his wife was like, with all the shit he's done, he needs all the help he can get. And if he's got... It's more than likely that she had the slaves take it out. But then you have the classic racist explanation of that the slaves stole it and drank it. But more than likely, the wife had it taken out. Um, So (laughs) what that leads us to is the beginning of the ghost story, which is I'm not sure exactly when it started. But supposedly, even to this day, that area, there is a roaming light that is seen. I've seen it described as about the size of a basketball, anywhere from a few inches to four foot up off the ground. And apparently a lot of people have seen it, and it's been a pretty consistent phenomenon. Um, People say that it is Brit carrying his lantern, wandering around looking for the jug of whiskey that didn't make it into the grave that he specifically asked for. And with as big of an asshole as he was, I can't really say that that would be too shocking. But is he walking towards the West, though? I don't know. I think a lot of the activity seems to center around the highway down there now that um, the main highway that runs through. And people have even like said that it cha- it'll chase cars. Oh, I've yeah, been, I've had that experience. Well, yeah, but that was not the size of a basketball no, either. Like no, that was like the size of like a marble. I can't imagine. Oh shit, that's scary. Ain't nobody got his whiskey. Well, see, there's also stories that people that I've seen people talking about where they are driving down this highway and they'll look over into the trees and they'll see a light and they'll think it's somebody that's like broken down or somebody that's trying to get attention with like a flashlight or something and they'll stop and. They'll get out of their cars and they'll start walking towards the woods, like calling to it, and it'll start advancing on them and they'll freak out, get in their cars and take off and it'll follow them down the highway. So that's crazy. Yeah. He mad. Yeah. He is really mad about it. And he's that. got 150 rounds. So, <laughs> but he has a shot. I mean, I guess like. He, he don't he's not solid so he can't load his his rifle because that takes a lot yeah. even when you're alive with full body function if you're yeah. a ghost like yeah. that that would take a whole lot but, but yeah it's it's an enduring legend like the first account of it i could find online was from 1936 but supposedly it's been around pretty much since he died so hmm. yeah that's pretty crazy that's very crazy it's really crazy that I don't ever remember learning about the guy who was in Texas before Stephen F. Austin in history ever. Me neither. And that like punked out Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I think he, he wasn't in the history books for sure. Cause you, yeah. you would have, but a lot of yeah, shit you wasn't would remember in the, him. was in the history books, but that's a crazy ass dude. Yeah. That's a great story. 
Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please go to our website at mystifiedpod.com where you can find this episode and other episodes as well. Or follow us on Instagram at mystified underscore pod. There we have contests and we post a lot of awesome, cool shit for you to check out. So definitely please follow us there. If you would also leave us a review on wherever you listen to podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, um, any of those, we would really appreciate it. But other than that, do you have any parting words, Stephen? No, I think we're good. All right. Awesome. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Mystified. Podcast.